Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of The Mesa Message. Uh, I am your host, Tabby, and this week we will be doing an interview with my lovely co-worker, uh, fellow Mesa ambassador, Emily. Uh, so that's coming up soon. Uh, this week we're not going to have any announcements. I am actually out of town, um, so yay vacation. Uh, I hope that you are enjoying your time as well. Uh, I'm going to be doing some hiking on the peninsula, so Woot woot. Um, so no announcements this week, unfortunately. However, I do want to go ahead and highlight do our, our Mesa book club where we highlight a book that I uh, right now I think you should read. But again, don't forget to submit um, any science fiction or science fiction, ugh, science fiction slash fantasy. Remember, science fiction needs to be there, not just fantasy book. You can do that over on our Twitter at Mesa at TCC. That's at M-E-S-A-A-T-T-C-C on Twitter. Feel free to send us a message or tweet us with your book recommendations. So this this episode, we're going to be highlighting a book called Semiosis, and it's written by Sue Burke. And the Goodreads description reads, in this character-driven novel of First Contact by debut author Sue Burke, human survival hinges on a bizarre alliance. Only mutual communication can forge an alliance with the planet's sentient species and prove that mammals are more than tools. Forced to land on a planet they aren't prepared for, human colonists rely on their limited resources to survive. The planet provides a lush but inexplicable landscape. Trees offer edible, addictive fruit one day and poison the next, while the ruins of an alien race are found entwined in the roots of a strange plant. Conflicts between generations arise as they struggle to understand one another and grapple with an unknown alien intellect. So I actually read this uh, as it wasn't really part of the book club that I was in. It was just recommended to me uh, from someone in book club. And this is unlike any other um not quite uh, sentient spider, unlike, but unlike any other book I've ever read. Uh, it's really great. It has sentient trees in it. And it's it's a really fascinating book that I think that um, you will like or I wouldn't have recommended it. So it does have a, a 3.92 stars on Goodreads. I believe that I rated it a four or a five stars. And I'm curious to see what you think about it. So if you've read this book or you read this book because of this podcast, make sure to tweet us and let us know what you think. All right, so right now we're going to go ahead and roll into that interview with Emily, and I will see you right after. Today we are sitting down with Emily Espelage, and thank you so much, Emily, for taking the time to sit down um, and talk with us today. We're very excited. You're quite welcome. Yay. So tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do, um, what you do at TCC, your degree, that kind of thing. So I'm Emily. I'm a, a lab tech in the chemistry department. Um, I'm also a, a student here. I'm still working on my associates, uh, and hopefully one day I'll I'll be way farther down the road in my education in biology. Um, but for for TCC, I I generally make sure that all of the the chemistry labs are good to go. I process the waste from them, fix equipment, things like that. Um, when I was in the biology labs, I did like sample preparation and collection and identification, things like that. Yeah, so really just all of the things that keep our science going here at TCC, I kind of have a finger in. Yay. So I like that. 
That's really fantastic. Now, you said you're working towards your associate. What associate's degree are you working for and what's your eventual career goal? The, the degree plan I'm working at right now is the Associate of Arts in Biology, the Direct Transfer Agreement uh, AA. My, I, I'm a retired soldier, so I, I don't really have an overarching goal for my education, but I do like doing my lab tech job, and I want to I wanna continue doing this for a while, so I, I'm going to keep getting the education that I need in order to do it successfully long term. Oh, that's really great. Oh, that's so exciting. I didn't know that. That's great. Um, so what can you tell us about where you grew up, what family life is like, what your favorite activities were when you were a kid, that kind of thing? So when I was little, my my parents weren't married, and I lived in Kentucky with my mom, and I got to grow up on a farm. Um, uh, really exposed, really close to to nature and and animals, plants, and the way that they interacted with each other and the way I interacted with them is a big part of farming. I also would visit um, my dad in the summers, uh, and he lived in a really cool place in southern Arizona, which just has phenomenal amount of diverse wildlife down there. And that's really where I started my, my love of biology and all things creepy crawly. That's absolutely, that's fantastic. Since you were a kid, I love it. And I know, did you, right? Did you always know that you wanted to end up in some sort of biology field, even like when you you said you were a soldier, even back then? Well, I I, I really liked biology and science when I was younger. Um, I kind of got away from that during adolescence. My my high school didn't have a really good solid STEM program, um, but you know, I I did what I could. I made it through high school, and and then nine eleven happened and I joined the army right after so I didn't really have time to like think about it and, and make a different decision so yeah yeah absolutely so what was that what was the tipping moment when you finally decided did, did you just decide to use your GI bill when you got out and you were like oh I really love STEM so let's do this yeah exactly I when I retired I had this GI Bill and I, I wanted to use it. I didn't want to waste it. Um, so I decided I was going to go back to school, but I had no idea what I wanted to study. And drawing on that, uh, those experiences from when I was a kid, I, I really like wildlife. Uh, so I started with the intention of getting a degree in wildlife biology. And since then, I've gotten to see so many more cool things that go on with biology than, than just wildland stuff. And I really, really expanded the directions that I'm able to go. So yeah, that's where I'm at now. Have you had any like internship opportunities or other, I know you're working uh, like as a lab tech now, have you had other opportunities to extend your uh, biology chemistry feelers and kind of explore? I have. So when I started working in the lab, I did so as a work study, um, and that was an incredible experience because um, I got to focus on school and get paid for working in the lab, which was just reinforcing the things that I was learning in biology, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I did the work study job for a while, uh, and I found out about this awesome summer research project um, at the Biosphere 2 last year uh, and applied to it and got accepted. And so I went to Tucson and did some research in the rainforest in the middle of the desert last summer. And so that was really cool. I, uh, there's lots of opportunities out there. I really enjoy finding them and making the most of them. 
That's really great. Can you tell us a little bit about the research you were doing in, in the desert rainforest? Yes, in the desert rainforest. <laughs> so if, for those who don't know, the biosphere is this huge, fully enclosed microcosm of Earth, um, which has all the different major ecosystems in it. And one of the parts of that is a, a large rainforest. The University of Freiburg and the University of Arizona uh, just did a, uh, a really big experiment series um, just this past fall. Uh, and part of what I was doing last summer was prepping for that. I was identifying roots by their DNA um, to a specific tree uh, in the rainforest, not just a type, but identifying them to specific trees so that they could do labeled carbon testing later, feeding things into a root that's in the ground, and then watching how the leaves change their volatile organic compounds that they export. That is, I don't have words. I'm so amazed. I, <laughs> I don't think that I realized that individual trees had individual DNA. That makes sense. Uh, but it sounds super labor intensive. Was it like a lot of microscopes and DNA slides? And So it was more like a lot of time spent in the dirt. Okay. Um, I, we, we had these big, big pits that were dug out, test pits that were like three meters deep. And I would, like, I went down, I, I sorted through all of the, the soil that had been pulled through these holes and pulled the roots out of them. And I was able to sort those roots by like a phenotype. Do they look similar? And can I look at this root and tell what kind of tree it is and get kind of a, an idea of which tree it might be? And that turned into like a whole lot of data collection for like root density maps of the rhizosphere and like basically coming up with a probability to where we could target an area and find a root for a specific tree so that we could feed it without disturbing too much of the root system. That's really fantastic. That's very, that's very exciting. That's definitely an area, like I said, of biology I did not know existed. So, wow. I know, right? Super yeah. cool. Yeah. So what was the, the application process like for that? So it's under uh, an NSF program called Research Experience for Undergrads, or REUs. Um, a lot of our listeners will probably see that in their stuff. But it's, you just go to the National Science Foundation website and to that program and there are opportunities all over the country all over the world really of universities that sponsor undergrads to come and and conduct research with um, a professor there uh, and it, it kind of gives uh, undergrads a good good opportunity to to get a feel for research see if maybe research is a thing that they would be interested in um, and and just get more experience outside of the classroom, a little, little networking and, and a little broader horizons. Yeah, because now you know people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, a lot of times when we're talking about internships, uh, most people assume that they are not paid and you just take six months of your life and you just go and you work for someone for free and your payment is your experience. Was this true for you? It wasn't true for me. I know that there are some programs that are unpaid internships. I also know that more and more anymore, people don't want to be an unpaid intern. So companies are having to offer paid internships. 
this this REU experience, um, it's it's funded by the National Science Foundation, and like I got paid to do this. Like they they paid for my travel, they paid for my housing, and they paid me to to live down there and do this research. So it's not like I just kind of left and and had to to work off my own financial reserves. Like I was I was being paid to do this. Uh, have you been surprised by anything? Uh, I mean, I think that we've shared a couple of surprises already. But what has been the most surprising thing to you as you work on your education? Yeah, uh, that's a that's a good one. Like I like surprises. I like like all of the things that I don't know when I learn them. It's a new surprise for me, and and I like that. And I, I kind of try to take that into to how I approach biology and chemistry. Right. I uh, I like to be surprised by the things. Like when things work the way that they're planned, I kind of get a little bored. So I like it when things go wrong and, and I get to figure out why and how to fix it. Is there any anything that you think that someone who is maybe just starting to embark as a student, whether it's in biology or engineering or anything like that, that maybe they should consider or think about or uh, specifically ask for or look forward to? I I would say pick a topic that really, really interests you. If you're, if you want to go into science or into technology or into math, pick something that really interests you and, and problems that you see that could maybe be fixed. Um, I, and, and how you might be able to contribute to that. I also feel that it's, it's important to get a, a well-rounded look at the things that are out there um, and maybe not limit yourself to one or two things in the beginning of your academic career. Um, because there is a whole big world of stuff out there to learn. And as I found out, the more I learn about it, the more I want to learn about it. So like, that would be my advice. Pick something you like, but don't limit yourself. What does your life outside of your educational experiences look like? Your, your home life, your activities, your hobbies? Well, I have three children who are all grown and out of the house and on their own. I live by myself with my doggo. Uh, we spend as much time outside as we can uh, when weather permitting. And yeah, just walking through woods next to my house, other Tacoma parks. We like to get out and, and go hiking in the wilderness as often as we can. I, you know, I, I hang out with friends like most people do. I've, I've got a pretty good support system of things that aren't work and aren't education that like, you know, I can, can balance my life out with with hanging out with friends or with, you know, just, yeah, I, I, I have hobbies, I guess. <laughs> I, so what's, what's your dog's name? Tell, tell us my a little dog is, about me. My doggo, his name is Rocky. Um, he is about eight years old. Uh, he's, he's a Rottweiler Australian Shepherd mix. And he's just the sweetest little ball of energy that anybody could ever ask for. Um, he thinks he's a lap dog and he's about 50 pounds. Uh, he curls up with me at night and he wakes me up in the morning. So yeah, he's pretty awesome. He's my buddy. Yay. Now I have one last question for you, uh, okay. which is kind of similar to a question that I asked earlier, except this question is specifically, what is your best piece of unconventional advice that you could give to someone? I don't know how conventional this is or not, but I would say look for opportunities. Um, you know, we, we think a lot of times that like school is just meant to be sitting in a classroom or working in a lab. 
and and especially at the the college the university level it's that's not true we're, we're learning skills and we're learning knowledge and we're learning how to apply things um, I think a, a big part of that would be to look for work opportunities as you can um, in your school schedule but but make sure you're doing something that's going to promote the, the career that you might want to have one day and if someone doesn't know even where to start short of like a Google search, which might turn up hundreds of thousands of results that you can never possibly look through. Where might they start looking for opportunities at? Pretty much every college has a database of work study jobs that are available in that college. Um, you can look at like TCC's website has it. You can talk to advisors, right? Your academic advisors are there for things like that. Also things like Mesa staff. We uh, kind of our job is to link people up with uh, different opportunities and, and different entitlements that they not not be aware that are available to them. I surely wasn't when Sharon talked to me about the REU last year. I, I found out about it the week before the application was due. But it's it's a you know Mesa's a good resource. Advisors are a good resource. Talk to your your professors are good resources too because a lot of times many of them have worked out in the field that they're teaching. Um, and they're a really good resource to, to find out what, what sorts of like internships or smaller jobs you might qualify for and gain some experience while you're also learning. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Emily, is there anything that you would like to add before we wrap up? Um, I don't think so. Thank you very much for having me on today, Tabby. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so excited uh, to be able to do this. We interviewed Sharon previously. I couldn't wait. I mean, I love Sharon. That's not what this is going for, but I couldn't wait to interview someone else too. So Yay. I'm so glad that you came and you showed up and you let us share a little bit of your life with you. Thank you again, Emily, for taking the time to talk to us and share your story and be on the podcast. This would be absolutely, completely impossible without people like you who are willing to share a little piece of themselves, a little piece of their life with the rest of us. This podcast is brought to you by the Mesa Program at Tacoma Community College. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Mesa at TCC. That's at M-E-S-A-A-T-T-C-C. Uh, if you have book recommendations, if you are interested in being on this podcast, whether you're a community member, uh, faculty, staff at TCC, or a student, we would like to highlight students as well. So please, if you're a student, reach out to us. Please make sure to send us a message or give us a tweet. Uh, all the music for this podcast is provided by Purple Planet at www purple-planet.com, providing royalty-free music to the masses. If you would like to put an announcement on here, please feel free to reach out to us, mesa at tacomacc.edu. Uh, you can also reach out to that email address if you're interested in being interviewed for this podcast. If you enjoy this production, please consider leaving a review on your podcast player of choice. Reviews help us get noticed and allow more people to enjoy the content we provide. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Bye-bye!